You guys, welcome to Fort City this morning. We're going to get right into it. Uh, in 2007, I was working as a full-time firefighter at Suncor Base Plant, and it was a pretty good gig. Uh, I worked three days, three nights, and had six days off. And uh, even though the shifts were long, at the end of every shift, I was always happy because at the end of the day, I could sleep in my own bed. Uh, one Saturday in 2007, we were in the kitchen of the fire hall sitting around the table. Uh, over the years, we solved many of the world's problems around that table. We never told anybody the solutions, but we solved all of the problems. Uh, this particular Saturday, uh, we were sitting around the table and the chief walked into the room, which we knew was odd. He's a Monday to Friday guy, and here he was in the building on Saturday, and so we knew something was wrong. And he sat down at the table and he kind of looked a bit somber and like he didn't want to be there. And he said, hey guys, I got some bad news for you. Um, <clears throat> Transelta went on strike this morning and so you, none of you are going to go home today. In fact, you actually have to live out here at site for the next week. As part of the emergency response plan for a strike that large, there always had to be two emergency services crew crews on at Suncor during the strike. And so I showed up to work with only the clothes on my back, no toothbrush, no change of underwear, or anything like that, and I had to live in camp for a week. It was a very uh, unwelcome interruption in my life. Some of you will remember that. You, you ended up sticking around as well. Uh, a couple of years later, we were again sitting around the kitchen table solving the world's problems, and uh, we were partaking in the time-honored tradition of complaining about management. Have you guys done this before? It doesn't matter if management is doing a good job or a bad job. You have to complain about the job that they're doing. And so we were getting right into it around the table. And I knew as a uh, rookie firefighter that I could get in the good books of some of the more experienced guys if I were to really dig into management. And so, you guys, I got going. Management sucks at this. They suck at that. They don't care about safety. They're not good at their jobs. I was just into it. And... and and everyone was just like eating out of the palm of my hand, like what I was saying was gold. They were all, their eyes were wide open and their mouths were open. And then I, I realized that it wasn't me they were looking at. Uh, the chief was in the doorway behind me, leaning up against the doorframe, listening to every word I was saying. And I turned around and we made eye contact. He said, oh, don't let me stop you, Lucas. Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> I could have used an interruption in that moment, right? An interruption would have been very valuable to me and my career. Most of the time, interruptions are unwanted and unexpected, like finding out you'll be living in camp for the next week with no change of clothes. But sometimes, an interruption is exactly what you need, whether you know it or not. Sometimes an interruption can be a holy intervention. Now last week we talked about Advent hope. Uh, how in the beginning God created everything and everything was good. We talked about how humanity chose to rebel against God and go our own way. And, and God made us with the capacity to choose, and he uh, so respected the integrity of making us that way that he allowed us to choose to walk away from him. And all creation groans in discomfort and unsettledness now because we know that we were made for something 
different. We were made to walk in the cool of the garden with our creator. We know that something is missing. And though Jesus came to the earth to make a way for us to be made right with God, we still live in the in-between, a time where Jesus has given us hope. But we must look forward to the day where that hope finds its completeness. Advent hope doesn't just look back to the birth of Jesus. It looks forward to a day when he will set all things right. And like Doug said, this week we are focusing on Advent peace. And we're going to try to figure out what it means to find a little bit of peace in this crazy in-between time that we live in. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. One of his favorite things to say was, peace be with you. He says it many, many times throughout the Gospels. And just like Jeff and Kim shared this morning in the opening of our service, Jesus wants to give us peace. Matthew, one of the people who was in Jesus' inner circle, uh, documented this words, these words that Jesus said about peace. He said, God blesses, this is Jesus preaching, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. God blesses those who work for peace. I believe there is a difference between those who work for peace and those who keep the peace. There is a difference between peacekeeping and peace making. When you are not at peace or your relationships are not at peace, that means there's, there's unrest. It's they're unsettled. There's no peace. They're in turmoil. They're agitated. There's tension. It's uncomfortable. And, and a peacekeeper wants to remove the symptoms of that unrest. It wants everyone to end up feeling better about the situation that they're in. They want people to calm down so we can move on, maintain the peace, keep the peace. It's like if you have kids, right, then they're fighting with each other, and, you know, kids are crazy. You're trying to find out who bit who or who stole from who or who was in or whose room and when they weren't supposed to be. Like, kids are crazy. Peacekeeping means just separating those kids and putting them in separate rooms so they can't fight anymore. You haven't solved the problem, right? They're, they're still the unrest, but you don't hear the problem anymore, and so the peace has been kept. Peacekeepers address the symptoms of unrest. Where peacemaking is quite different, isn't it? Peacemaking involves addressing the reason there is unrest. It's about changing the root cause of the unrest and not just covering it up and not just treating the symptoms and not just ignoring the things that are causing the unrest, but it's about undressing them. Peacemaking is a lot more intensive and uncomfortable than peacekeeping. In fact, to be a peacemaker, you actually have to be a peace disturber. You must be willing to have difficult conversations. You must be vulnerable and willing to address the real reasons behind the reasons why we're upset with each other. For many of us, right, it's easier to keep the peace than it is to make peace. Peacekeeping is a temporary solution, and peacemaking, though, has long-lasting results. It doesn't just treat the symptoms. It treats the disease. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Sometimes you've got to disturb the peace to gain peace. Peacemaking requires a holy interruption. And today we're going to look at the series of events that led up to the birth of Jesus. 
And we're going to all along the way try to highlight God's holy interruptions of God breaking into the lives of normal, everyday people and giving them a choice. Maintain the status quo, keep the peace, or accept something better. Now, we talked about the historical context last week of, of the time and period that Jesus was born into, so I'll just quickly summarize it today. The people of God lived in the promised land for a long time. Things went well. They grew into a powerful nation. They built the beautiful city of Jerusalem and Solomon's temple, and it was unparalleled in the world in its glory and beauty. But that all fell apart. By the opening chapters of the New Testament, the beginning of the story of Jesus all that is gone. The people of God are a conquered people. They live in their own land, the promised land, but they are oppressed by the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire rules with an iron fist. They are home. The people of God are home, but they are not free. They are oppressed people. And it's in this politically charged time of unrest that the story of Jesus begins, that God sends his first holy Christmas interruption. Zechariah was a temple priest, uh, and his wife was uh, Elizabeth, and they were just people. They were just regular old people living their lives. And they had no children. Uh, they were very old, but they had learned to become content with the life that God had given them. And one day, Zechariah, who was a priest who was working in the temple, God interrupted his life. Listen to this and from Luke 1. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. An angel appeared, and Zechariah was terrified. Now, I, I like, I think, as we go on, we should take note that very often in Scripture, when angels appear... The people are terrified. It is an unexpected interruption. Now, I don't know what angels look like, but they must not look like what we think they look like if everyone is terrified when they show up in the stories. But the, the angel shows up and he reassures Zechariah, don't be afraid. And the angel goes on to tell Zechariah, my name is Gabriel, and that even though you have no children, you're going to have a son, and I want you to name him John and he is going to be a great man of God. He is going to prepare for the one who is coming who will rescue you and your people. That child will become John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus. This is the beginning, the initial interruption where God is setting into motion his plan to rescue his people. Now months later, Gabriel would again interrupt somebody's life. This time it was Mary. Now, where Elizabeth was very old, and, and uh, Mary is actually only a teenager in our story. Let's read it, what Luke says about that. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She was very skeptical of this person who showed up in her life. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Again, 
somebody is a bit terrified by an angel showing up in the scene, an unexpected interruption. And Gabriel goes on to tell Mary that her life is about to completely change. That God has chosen her to be the one who brings the Son of God into the world. The one who is going to set things right. And that she is to name him Jesus. Can you imagine the pressure that Mary must have been under in these moments? I was 21 when Justice was born. And I remember when I came home from the hospital with this little breathing, heart-beating human being, and there was no nurses or doctors around, I had an existential crisis. What have I done? I have to keep this thing alive? Like, this is my job now, right? Imagine being told that the one, that your child will be the, the, the one who saves everyone. The pressure must have been incredible. And yet, she embraces God's holy interruption into her life. And she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. No wonder God chose her, the faith of Mary. But when Joseph, her yet-to-be husband, found out that she was pregnant, he didn't initially accept her story of a virgin conception. Can you blame him, right? This is a pretty fantastical story. But being a man of integrity and kindness anyway, Joseph resolved in his heart to divorce Mary quietly to protect her honor. Then, another interruption. Joseph is asleep. You're not even safe in your sleep from God. He is asleep and an angel comes to him in his dreams and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All of Joseph's plans, all of his hopes, completely interrupted. Joseph ends up taking Mary as his wife, much to the disappointment of his parents and his friends and the community. But he is choosing to embrace this holy interruption. Months go by and Mary is getting close to her due date when there is another interruption. Caesar Augustus has decreed a census must be taken of the entire Roman world. And so Joseph and Mary must take the long and dangerous trek back to Joseph's hometown of Bethlehem. And now I've never been personally pregnant, but... I can imagine, I can imagine that riding on a donkey eight months pregnant, the long, arduous journey would have been incredibly unwelcome and uncomfortable. When they arrived in Bethlehem, there were so many people there for the census that the government had called. The government's been screwing up things for thousands of years, guys. This is just part of the continuing story. Uh, there were so many people there for the census, there was nowhere left for them to stay. There was no hotels. The, the, the hotel, Motel 8, was, you know, it was full. And so that night, Jesus was born outside under the stars. He was wrapped in cloth. He was laid to rest in a manger, which is just a feeding trough, right? Hardly a situation fit for a king. And just nearby, there were some shepherds. They were managing their flock in the middle of the night. They were working the night shift when suddenly they too are interrupted. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. Angels, I'm telling you, 
They're, they must be terrified. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. His name, he is the Messiah, the Lord. Every time these angels show up, they have to be like, guys, guys, it's just me, Gabe. Don't be afraid. The shepherds are working the night shift. They're just working, right? They, they might as well be working the night shift at Tim Hortons or driving a halt truck. They're just at work. And then, bam, angels in an announcement that the one who has come to rescue them has been born just a couple of fields over. Once the angel leaves them, they look at each other and they say, let's, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. All of these interruptions. The Christmas story is the story of God interrupting the everyday lives of people. People who were too old or too young, too embarrassed, too proud, too busy, or too sleepy to recognize God at work in their midst. God disturbed the peace. God shook the status quo, and he didn't just want to keep the peace. He wanted to make peace. How do we respond to God's interruptions in our lives? Do we respond like Zechariah and Elizabeth who, who came out of retirement to raise John the Baptist? Do we respond like Mary who, though she was young and afraid and, and her reputation would be ruined, she resolved to embrace God's plan and interruption in her life? Do we respond like Joseph who, in the face of humiliation and ridicule, chose to have faith and integrity and trust God? Do we respond like the shepherds in the field who believed the good news told to them and then went and told everyone who would listen that, about that very good news? You guys, we look around at the world and we know that things are not as they should be. Things are not at peace. We look around us and we see pain and instability. The world is unsettled and in unrest. Do we invite God to interrupt our lives? God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. Are we willing to do the work of peace? Are we willing to invite Jesus to interrupt our lives so that he can make things better? I won't lie. I shouldn't lie. That would be a bad thing to do from the stage as a pastor. I won't lie. And actually, I'll invite the worship team up. We're going to do communion here in a second. I won't lie. November and December are by far the busiest times of the year for my family. Uh, in addition to the increased demands of all making Christmas magical for my own family, there's extra rehearsals and there's extra events and there's all these services. And, and so the months of November and December are really quite busy for me and my family. Our calendar doth overflow. And it's why we set up our Christmas tree the second week of November. Don't throw anything at me. We're those people who are setting up their trees in the second week of November. But, because it's, but it's because what we've learned is that if we don't do it in the second week of November, we'll never do it. Right? Our lives get too crazy to do it. And so we're those early people. And I'll be honest, 
the busyness of this season can create a lot of unrest in my heart. And it can be a little bit overwhelming. And I do find myself spending less time praying and reading my Bible and seeking the face of Jesus and seeking what he desires for me and my family. And if you're like me, the busyness of this season is probably a bit overwhelming for you too. And so here's the challenge. As we finish, we're going to go to communion. And here's the challenge. I am going to pray for you that Jesus would interrupt you this Christmas. I know that doesn't sound like a very nice thing to pray for a person, but I'm going to pray it for you anyways. I'm going to pray that this morning or later this week while you're lying in your bed or you're driving your kids to school or you're riding on the bus to work, that Jesus interrupts your life with his kindness and his love and his mercy. Because sometimes a holy interruption is what you need. And it's what I need. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you for the beauty of this Christmas story. And all of the normal, everyday people along the way. People like us. Nobody special. Nobody remarkable just regular people whose lives you chose to interrupt with your hope and with a difficult task for many of them. And Jesus, I pray that we will be inspired by these stories this morning to embrace your interruptions in our lives, to embrace your truth in our lives, to embrace your purposes for each one of us. That Jesus, in the busyness of this season where we find ourselves on roofs setting up Christmas lights and on ladders setting up Christmas trees and baking and cooking and, and writing cards and doing all the things that in the middle of all of this craziness, which is good in itself, in the middle of this craziness, you would interrupt us and we would be reminded of the true story, the true nature of this season. That you came to bring peace to the world that was unsettled. You came in the unrest to bring peace to us. And so I pray for your supernatural peace that surpasses all understanding, interrupt our lives with it this season. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.